and welcome to Class Futures. In my last episode, I spoke to Gunda Tai, who heads up international assessments in Estonia, where I found out more about the, the approach to education and digital learning in, in the country. We're heading north from Estonia, and we're heading north to a country you might know or not, called Finland, and we're heading to Helsinki. I was really interested in the Finnish approach and the, some insight there, so I approached Oli Valo. Oli heads up a company called Education Alliance Finland, and his organisation, which he'll he'll tell you more about, um, basically vets the different edtech solutions out there through its network of teachers against different curriculums, global curriculums from around the world, and provides a report back on that. And I was really interested to speak to him and find out more about his views on the future of digital learning. Great to have you on, on Class Features, Ollie. Thanks for joining us. Um, for, for our listeners, can you quickly tell us a bit more about yourself and your role at, at Education Alliance Finland? Yeah, sure. Uh... Well, uh, thanks, thanks, Jonathan. P- pleasure to to visit the podcast. Uh, a bit about my own background. So I used to be a teacher, uh, graduated from the University of Helsinki, and I was working in primary schools a few years. Then I started writing PhD theses about learning music through composing with computers, because of my and and the, I, I had interest in that topic because of my own musical background. Through that project, before finalizing the PhDs, I ended up working in an edtech company developing a music learning platform. And then I, then me and my my colleagues back there, we we realized that uh, edtech companies and uh, education innovation companies in general, they were in need of providing evidence to schools and users of their solutions uh, that why their solutions were leading to positive learning outcomes. Uh, and we kind of we kind of saw that maybe the reason why we were asked to provide such evidence when we were selling and, and presenting our music learning solution, we saw that maybe it's because schools are used to typically buy learning materials from big ed- educational publishers like hundred year old companies, two hundred year old companies, but nowadays anybody basically can create a learning application mm-hmm. and offer it to offer it to any school in the world. Mm. So it's much more fragmented, and uh, most of all, these new type of solutions they provide a new way for learning. So yeah. it's really it's really good that teachers are critical and schools are critical as well, and learners, uh, and they ask for the evidence. But they, it was really it seemed like there is no there is no standard way of providing the evidence, and we wanted to help with with that problem, and then started Educational Alliance Finland. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we're gonna go into that in a bit more depth, but a like feature that we have at the start of the show is just really to find out more about your uh, educational experience um, and your favorite teacher at school and your favorite subject. What was your favorite subject at school, Ollie? Well, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think physical education was, uh, it has always been for me uh, something, something fun. And I, I've sort of, uh, Got the got I, I I've succeeded fairly well <laughs> in in those classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like mathematics in in primary school. I didn't like mathematics in secondary school anymore because it would have required you to do homework and and actually mm-hmm. practice <laughs> in order to succeed. Uh, languages have been like I've enjoyed languages, but I've never been a that kind of a student that would like 
um, I didn't like doing homework. I kind of enjoyed school and friends, and it was mm. I, I I did enjoy the classes quite quite a lot as well. But but then sort of I didn't get the, the to that to that kind of working mode that I would actually struggle and 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 like like see the effort mm. uh, to actually learn something. It was more like having fun and 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 doing something that everybody must do. Yeah. Uh, so. I would ask for the uh, favorite subject. I would say physical education later on in high in high school music. Great. It's kind of a common theme. I hear people who obviously enjoy the school experience, but then the homework or is not so not so fun, or the subject that they enjoy at primary level or in their, in their early years, and then when they get a bit older, it's something they they fall out of love for for whatever reason. So that's kind of common theme. Um, was there a, a teacher that kind of catches your imagination? Who who caught your imagination? Sorry, one of your sort of favorite teachers who insp- created some sort of inspiration for you. Yeah, uh, well, in primary school we had a really good English teacher. Yeah. I I really liked the the English lessons in general were more active like we did a lot of exercises we were we were uh, it was more social uh, because we practiced speak english as as well and you do it with friends and and within a group so i i really enjoyed that and i i think the teacher was really good also we had really good english books we we had the the, the textbooks that we were using were were super fun and and i really in, liked the materials uh, that we were using back then um then in secondary school, we had a biology teacher. He, he was a substitute, maybe for, a, for one year or, or one semester or so. But he was really, I didn't like biology at all. Like it was not my favorite subject. But uh, when the teacher, when the new teacher came and, and uh, he had a quite nice approach, uh, he, he, he was quite strict but uh, but but very like he really respected us as as students and and i i i think that that, that was that was really nice i i he kind of made an impression and and i i was I, I really liked going to his classes yeah that's that's interesting i think knowing the kind of boundaries if you like is really important when you're a, when you're a pupil um and understanding that and where you stand um to sort of guide you um fascinating so in in your in your role now how do you what sort of challenges do you see for 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 educators and teachers in terms of navigating the ed tech space uh well that the market is so fragmented and there are so many different types of tools that you're being offered so i i think that that's definitely one thing and another thing is that when you when you find a tool that you want to use, mm. and I think this applies to any any digital tool, like in any work, mm. the the learning curve is is <laughs> it's 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 something that you might struggle to overcome when you start using a new tool as as to to do something in uh, some in in your work. Mm. Uh, I think that the pedagogical benefits of edtech tools they don't they are not immediate. Like like first you need to you spend spend some time to learn how to use the tool and actually understand. It takes about like a few hours in in very many cases, and teachers very often they don't have those those few extra hours. 
to 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 spend to familiarize themselves with the with a new tool. So that's definitely one thing uh, I used to evaluate because what EAF does is we evaluate the quality of edtech tools. And because I used to be a teacher, so in the early stages of the company, I used to evaluate edtech tools a lot as well. And I, it was very common for me that in the beginning when I started using a new tool, I wasn't really that motivated. It was kind of kind of boring to start using using a new tool, regardless of how fun it looked or how innovative the idea was. Logging in, installing it, logging in, mm. trying to get get, get build understanding of what are you going to do, how 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 do you navigate, and and all that. Mm. It was fairly boring. Yeah, and when, you, when, say, when I, you when you talk about a tool, you mean that could be a software application, it could be an app, it could be a website that helps. Yeah. It could be anything mm. like uh, browser-based native application mm. platform, LMSs, whatever. It always took some time to actually understand what you can do with it. But when I when I had spent about one hour with the tool, I started to get really inspired that, hey, actually, this makes a lot of sense. And if I were, you, were to use this in a classroom, I would do this and this and this with, with this tool. And it was, I, I it, it took some time. To, so that I familiarize myself with the tool, but once I sort of started feeling that okay, now I now I got the idea, now I know how it works. I started getting a lot of ideas what I could do with the tool with, with students. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that one hour was was a sort of a struggle to, to go through, and and it's the same for me. Like nowadays, doing an office job, if I need to use this, uh, need to start using a new. I don't know, like a like a video call tool or or some client uh, management tool or some financial yeah. management tool. I find it very boring to start learning how to use a new tool. Mm. But eventually, if the tool is good, I get inspired and I actually benefit from using the tool. Yeah. So what, you, what you're saying is your, your company helps evaluate that and s- speeds it up for the, for the teacher, if you like, or to understand the benefits a bit more to, to assess its um, to evaluate it essentially and to say look this this could be fit fit this had as good fit in in these kind of areas yeah yeah so what what we do in our evaluations is that well we have teachers we have 120 teachers now in finland conducting the the evaluations and what these teachers do they always first map the solution the evaluated solution against curriculum so they define the what are the learning goals that you can achieve through the tool, yeah. and and after that uh, they they start assessing the pedagogical approach of the tool. So what's the pedagogical benefit that the tool provides? Does it facilitate collaboration or spark creativity or or provide drilling activities or what whatever what what's the pedagogy that it represents? So they analyze that and yeah. they they assess how good uh, pedagogical approach is, and then they assess usability. That's that's really interesting. So, for an ed tech company or a startup, they they have a route there really to to that market by coming through someone like yourself to then get some feedback, if you like, from from teachers who are who can see quite clearly the benefits or where where the product can be developed in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So they so they get very rigorous feedback. The evaluation reports that are mm. are compiled through this. Uh, process are about 60 pages long so it's really like a like a rigorous case study of the of the educational quality of the tool so they get that feedback to support their product development but of course uh, they get to use that feedback when they are speaking to to other teachers and when they're 
maybe maybe marketing tool trying to sell it to to new customers so they can refer to that report yes and then is it that available to all global companies ollie or is it more restricted to certain territories uh, it's it's global. So the f- the first part of the evaluation is mapping the solution against curriculum, and nowadays uh, we have so vast database of different curricula from all, all across the world. So basically, the client gets to decide if they want to have their solution mapped against Finnish, Swedish, UK, US, Singaporean, whatever <laughs> national curriculum, and and we most likely we have that already in in our evaluation tool. That's amazing. So you can, that's an amazing proposition for a, for a company, an ed tech company, if you like, where you can offer that valuation against international curriculums. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it kind of creates a lot of efficiencies, I imagine. Have you seen kind of some, have you got some exciting examples where, you know, some ed tech companies have really benefited from that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that especially in the in the earlier days, it was not as common for edtech companies. Like like many companies had developed a tool, and and maybe the pedagogical benefit was there. Like the like the idea of the tool was good, uh, but they hadn't really considered that uh, is this for the for the Finnish market specifically, or is this for the UK or US market? And when they had not considered that many companies had not had never mapped their solution against curriculum. So when they went to a BET exhibition in London and they met with the teacher from London and the teacher might ask that, okay, does this align with, with our curriculum, with the UK curriculum? They might be like, uh, yeah, well, I suppose. I, I think mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas as if they have gone through or if they have done the curriculum mapping by themselves, like many companies nowadays do, they are much better prepared to have those conversations, regardless of where the teacher comes from. They, they always have a sort of a reference that, yes, are you teaching mathematics? This is a mathematics tool. It aligns with the UK national curriculum, mathematics, these and these and these grades. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's, like a, it's like a professional answer to, to the teacher who wants to truly understand this tool relevant for him or her or not. Uh, yes, and almost like a certification, if you like, a kind of stamp of approval um that, that it has and that that company understands the curriculum and the, what the teacher is teaching and how that can obviously benefit them and their pupils in the classroom yeah yeah and and in the beginning we did we did the evaluations we 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 had the first few clients and we we just thought that this is what we do we we evaluate the solution we provide the report but early on the company started asking that okay, we've gone now through this rigorous process. Can you provide us some sort of a stamp of approval that, yes, you have evaluated this and these were the findings and, and the findings were fairly positive. So we, we did launch a certificate 2016 already. And now it's, I, I think the certificate is fairly well known in the, in the tech sector by, well, investors and tech sector decision makers. Mm. Oh, that's great news. And that's, something you offer for sort of primary curriculum, secondary curriculums and universities further education? Uh, yeah, uh, most of the, the products that we have evaluated, we, we have evaluated uh, over 300 products now and the vast majority of those are for K through 12 sector. Yeah. And I think the reason is that maybe, maybe in that sector, 
the buyers of edtech solutions are keen to see some case studies or some evidence of the of the impact and efficacy and quality of the of the tool uh, and and uh, another reason is that how we get new clients is fully organic so it has just happened that the first clients that we got back in the days were from the K through 12 sector and once we got the first solution certified these companies started speaking about their certificate and using that as part of part of their their marketing mm. and that, that that's how other companies uh, got to know about it and if the company operated in the K through 12 sector it's more likely that other companies from the same sector found out about the certificate and then that's the, that's the main way how we get new clients we have evaluated small products for small babies we have evaluated solutions mm. for corporate training mm. uh, and and it works the, the the methodology works equally well but still i uh, the the vast majority of the clients are are from the k through 12 sector fantastic and you talked about it being quite a fragmented uh, market do you, and you talked about 300 about well, 300 products there do you think the edtech space is is saturated or is there more room for innovation where do you see how do you see it unraveling <laughs> Definitely, there's more room for for innovation. I I think that the there are so few like big success stories in the edtech field. And if we, if we go to any classroom anywhere in the world, I think that the the classroom practices are still very much dominated by print materials. Like books are like if I if I look at the there are some statistics available of for example Finnish or Nordic educational publishers the revenue that they make from books and the revenue that they make from digital solutions there's huge difference mm. and 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 there are, there's a lot of uh, reports and information related to this that how how small percentage of the digital materials still have uh, whereas if you look at any 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 office job office work we don't we don't use like if i learn something if i need to learn something like how to use a use a new financial administration tool. I don't buy a book to learn that. I, I learn it fully online or I, I, I take some sort of an online platform course or, or whatever. And, and I do think that at some point when the students have their own devices, it's, it's more seamless, the whole use case of edtech. I think that only, only then the, the heavier use of educational pedagogically designed educational tools are going to happen or is going to happen it's, it, at the moment it's still so there there are so many friction points and it's so it's so challenging with the with the even with the with the high quality infrastructure like for example in finland that the, the schools are fairly well prepared to use the tools compared to the to the sort of the global average but still it's it's really a challenge uh, unless you have your own device, uh, every student has their own device, and the Wi-Fi is working like a dream. It, it's it's kind of hard to to use it in in the larger scale. So you you sort of see those challenges mainly around pupil devices, Wi-Fi, access to the internet. Um, are there any other challenges you, you you kind of see in that space? Well, the well the teacher is the single factor that the. the the most significant single factor: what happens in the classroom, and what are the what are the what learning outcomes are being achieved. So I think that the, the teacher, besides the infrastructure, the teacher, teachers' competencies, motivation, 
uh, the, the, the pedagogical approach that the teacher wants to practice in, in his or her classroom, that ma- I think that matters the most. So, so even if you have super good Wi-Fi, everybody has super good devices, mm. they have good content, but if the teacher says that they, I don't think this is a smart move to use these, these digital materials, it, those are not going to be used. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting to sort of see that unravel. I like this kind of idea how you can, you know, print materials still dominate. I still see that in, in my classroom. Um, whilst we use a lot of digital, a lot of resources are, are um, digital print materials. Um, and when we think of those brand names within the NTech space that have succeeded, I can think of a few good brand names. Kahoot springs to mind as kind of the big success. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if more, more sort of brands, if you like, establish themselves in the tech space and teaching. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kahoot is a, is a great example of how do you build edtech that is easy enough for, for teachers, but then holistic enough so that, that you can use it over and over again. Uh, and, and with Kahoot, which is one of the first evaluated solutions, uh, that, that we evaluated in 2016 already, uh, we we kind of saw that the, that the real pedagogical benefit of Kahoot is that the, that it's easy to start using that because you can create the quizzes as as an as an educator. But the real pedagogical value comes from having the students to create the quizzes because if you create the quiz, it's a creative process and and you need to you need to truly understand the topic that you create the quiz about. Mm-hmm. And and it's been great to see that. Uh, Kahoot has been developing that side of the tool. So I think already 2018, they they developed the, the Kahoot native application that works on a smartphone. And even with that smartphone application, you were able to create the quiz. So they clearly, they had in mind that they want to have the, allow the students to create the quizzes, even with smart, like with phones, smartphones. And that's a, that's like a, great example of a of a like a pedagogical thinking that the company has had over the years mm. and i think that's the reason why they are so successful yeah absolutely i think it's great when i see my students creating quizzes or giving them the the opportunity to do that and it reaffirms their learning and, and it's fun and engaging and it's, it's a digital tool um what sort of tips would you have for for companies um thinking about their kind of product development. Are there any kind of major tips that you would have on the podcast? Uh, well, one one thing that I that I see uh, a lot is that like like we we get to besides those three hundred and so applications that we've evaluated, I get to see much more because I'm usually the first point of contact when somebody reaches out to us asking how is our evaluation process and and all that. So what the first thing we do is. Uh, me or my colleagues, we go to their website, we try to understand what is the product. And when I do that, I see a lot of very poetic ways of describing that what is the, the specific learning tool. And it's almost every time completely unique way of describing what the tool does. So it might be a quiz tool, but they might say that this is the teacher's super power tool to make them brilliant observers of students' progression. And you have no clue what, what does that mean? What is this tool? What do you do with it? So my, I, I would be really happy to see at the company starting to use, not trying to be as unique as they are at the moment and having the companies 
using a standard language that is understandable for everyone and and so like like not be afraid of the competition if somebody thinks that hey your tool is exactly like that other tool i think that's a good thing if somebody says that to you mm-hmm. uh so that that's that's my tip <laughs> try not to be unique <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. I think and that obviously makes it simple for the for the teacher or the user to understand what is what is that what is that benefit if you like? What is that product without being poetic and trying to be different? Um, yeah, what does it mean? How's it going to benefit people learning, or what progress are you going to see? Um, that's really interesting. Thanks, Ollie. Listen, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, it's been great to have you on here. I always end with um, a bit of a bit of a longer question that I like to give say I give 10 marks for is kind of your insight into the future of digital learning and how you see it. Um, obviously it's open. Um, how do you see the future of digital learning? Uh, how do I see the future of digital learning? Well, um, I, I see that things happen slower than, than expected. But at the same time, I think that um, when it comes to certain features of these edtech tools that, uh, for example, the, how AI, artificial intelligence is being, being a part of digital tools, at the moment it plays a very minor role. But mm-hmm. I think that in the next few years, we're going to see a, a, a sort of like a big uh, a jump ahead uh, when it comes to how AI affects the the learning processes, I, I see a great promise there. And knowing how how fast these development jump steps can happen when they start happening, yeah. uh, I I I I I have big big hopes and beliefs that more personalized learning experiences and and more adaptive learning experiences are are going to be the future of of edtech. Fantastic, thank you. Um, I think that from my point of view, yeah, there is a lot of focus around ed tech at the moment and this kind of market that's growing. But like you say, it's those changes do that they can be slower than expected and initiating change in the classroom can be quite a quite a slow process. So um, that's fascinating. Thanks, Ollie. And this kind of view that it's going to become more personalized and adaptive. That's really interesting. Um, listen, it's great to have you. been great to have you on the show. And um, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Yes, thanks, Jonathan. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ollie. And in this part of the podcast, I provide some analysis of my conversation with him. Rather than listening to the whole of the show, you can get some of the key takeaways from from that conversation, of which I think there are six key key points that he talked about or that can be drawn from my conversation with, with Ollie. I think firstly, within the space, certification is really important and the service that Education Alliance Finland is providing is is invaluable. Certification is important because it can help us better understand the fit of a product and and give us trust in using something when we're looking to incorporate 
um, a new new tool into into a classroom. Secondly, he talked about how fragmented the space is and all the different products that are out there and how how we how we can best um, choose and 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 use those different products in the classroom as well. There's always a learning curve involved as well in setting up any any new tool as well and any way that we can reduce that learning curve or reduce the time to set something up can only lead to efficiencies. Thirdly, I think for edtech companies this service is vital and if you're an edtech company or a startup, um, considering how you go about um, reaching uh, users, um, using this kind of service is invaluable and definitely worth approaching. Fourthly, he talked about the room there is for innovation, of which I, I agree with him completely. I think there is a lot of room still for innovation and we're going to see more and more innovation and how we how we can incorporate different tools and techniques into the classroom or the delivery of education. He talked about how print is still dominant in the space, how we digitize our materials, um, there's still relatively few success stories that he, he, he talked about and that can only increase. Obviously there are challenges as well, challenges around um, accessing and, and being on, on a device that might be managed on a one-to-one -one basis, Wi-Fi, connectivity, teachers themselves as well. Um, and getting getting all users, all, all, all creators or, or users of that te technology to create content and Kahoot is a great example of that. Um, fifthly, I think this was his big tip for edtech companies. Again, if you're listening to this, um, think about the language that you're using on your websites. Rather than trying to differentiate yourself with, with new language, think about simple standard language, standard language that has, has meaning and that has a fit across um, the education sector. So, yeah, definitely a, a big tip there, I think, from Ollie in terms of your marketing and how you think about that if you're an ed tech, product, ed tech company. Sixth, sixth, sixth and final point, really, was around his views and um, thoughts on digital learning. Um, and he talked about change and kind of quite interesting to hear that he thinks it will be um, slower than expected. Obviously, we're seeing lots of change you know, that's been accelerated through the pandemic. But he, he's, he was, his take was that change will, will be slower than expected, albeit certain areas will, will start to speed and there'll be a jump ahead. One area that he talked about was, was AI or artificial intelligence, and he expects there to be a jump ahead in, in the use of that as, as that becomes more, more dominant. Um, the role of AI, for example, he talked about the future being personalized learning, adaptive learning, two key areas which 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 I really agree with. You know, learning has to become more personalized for for that person, for that pupil. Um, it needs to become more adaptive. And I thought they were really good, interesting predictions from, from Ollie. <laughs>